Greetings, and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a 15-minute summary, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 288. Starting off with security news, Revil or R-Evil, a Russian cyber gang has launched a massive ransomware campaign called Kasaya, based on the software that it attacks, against many thousands of systems, and they're claiming up to a million systems across 17 countries worldwide, making it the largest ransomware attack on record. The attack targets the update mechanism of Kasaya, an IT services company, which has software running in thousands of customers' networks via MSP relationships. So Kasaya makes the tool, which they then sell to other companies, which gets used by even more companies. And this fractal nature of the impact is what makes supply chain attacks so dangerous. Revil is asking for 70 million in Bitcoin to publish the decryptor keys for all affected organizations and systems. And a lot of people are saying they don't have the infrastructure to actually, you know, collect from that many different customers. So the 70 million would actually do them a favor as well. And FBI and CISA are saying you should disable any VSA servers immediately. And we've got a bunch of links here to the CISA recommendations and a Kasaya VSA detection tool. Staying in Russia, APT28, Fancy Bear, has been launching a widespread brute force attack against hundreds of organizations in the U.S. and U.K., according to NSA, CISA, and FBI. Targets include government, military, political parties, political consultancies, defense contractors, energy firms, logistics companies, think tanks, and other high-value organizations. CISA released a new ransomware self-assessment security audit tool, which is a new module for its cyber security evaluation tool, CSET. It looks at a company's IT, OT, or ICS assets and assesses how equipped they are to defend against attacks. APT29 Cozy Bear successfully compromised a Microsoft customer support representative's account and use that access to attempt to attack customer accounts. This is the same group responsible for SolarWinds, and they evidently got only a few accounts. The U.S. Secret Service has brought back its Cyber Most Wanted list. Israel logged the first known use of a fully autonomous drone swarm to track and attack Hamas militants. They were able to find and attack their targets with zero human interaction. If you're into this topic, you really should read this book by Daniel Suarez called Kill Decision, which I read this thing and totally freaked out because it seemed really realistic, and obviously it is. Cyber insurance costs have risen 32% in the last year and appear poised to continue. Not only are premiums increasing, but additional stipulations are being added to policies as well. 
because these uh, providers are just losing so much money. And the providers are now, like the supply is drying up. There aren't as many people willing to give these policies. And there are so many people who want them. So obviously the price is going to go up. Proofpoint says Cobalt Strike has shown a 161% increase in usage by attackers in the last year. Microsoft has found new vulnerabilities in Netgear firmware. QNAP fixed more bugs. LinkedIn has had another data loss incident, this one affecting 700 million users. Getter, I think that's how you pronounce it, G-E-T-T-R, Trump's new social media platform launched and was hacked, both on July 4th, with several VIP accounts being compromised and defaced. Gray Noise just got some InQtel money. Congrats to Andrew and team on that. And No Name Security raises $60 million in their Series B to continue doing API security. Technology News, Facebook announced its competitor to Substack called Bulletin. The biggest difference over the rest of the field in the newsletter space is that they're not initially taking a cut off of what people make. Foxconn earnings were up 20% on a high demand from Apple. TikTok is extending its video length limit from one minute to three minutes. And obviously, AI is a no-code AI tool for data analysts. And they just increased their seed round to $4.7 million. Human news. Over 100 people are dead in Oregon, Canada, and other places in northern parts of North America. Temperatures got as high as 116 degrees Fahrenheit. And I know someone who was just visiting Seattle from Austin, and they arrived, and it was much hotter in Seattle than it was in Texas and Austin. So crazy times right now. 70% of San Francisco residents say their quality of life in the city has declined. Iceland says their four-day workweek trial was an overwhelming success with people being less burned out and productivity staying the same or improving. And actually, Richard Branson said the key to whatever, saving the planet, is a three-day work week. I think that might be excessive. Four sounds pretty compelling, though. At least worth trying out. And Isaac Asimov's Foundation series is coming to Apple TV in September. And the trailers look really good. Content ideas and analysis. The American flag as a hate symbol. I think a lot about how to attack things uh, because I'm in security. And one of those things is the United States. It's the only way you know really how to defend something is to think about how to attack it. Or one of the best ways, in my opinion. So one of the most devastating attacks I've ever thought of was launching a massive campaign to convince Americans that the U.S. is, and always has been, a country of hatred and that the flag is a symbol of that hate. I think this is the number one way to destroy the country. And, well, somehow that's exactly where we are heading. 
the U.S. women's soccer team just had some of their members turn their backs while a veteran in his 90s played the national anthem on a harmonica before a game. A game where they were there representing that same country of the United States. So this is the U.S. national team. They play the national anthem and they turn their backs. That is ridiculous to me. When you look at how we're going to face a rising China or a rising Russia, it's a daunting task by itself. But it's made nearly impossible if we're a country where half of us think we've never done anything wrong as a country, and half of us thinks we're the worst country ever. The truth, of course, is in the middle somewhere. We've done some horrible stuff in our history. But we're currently one of the best places in the world for people of color or people in the LGBTQ communities to live normal lives and to thrive. That's not easy to do for black or gay people in much of Asia or South America or even in Africa. In other words, most of the world is still outwardly hostile to races and sexual identities other than what exists there natively. And the U.S. is one of the few exceptions. We should remember that and be proud of it, even as we reflect on how we made mistakes in the past and as we continue our work of improving. Notes. So I'm already done with our UL Book Club Book of the Month. It's about China. It's called the 100-Year Marathon. I'm having some lively discussion with a friend of mine from China who we used to have these discussions in university. And he was extremely hawkish on China, and I was extremely, I guess, dovish? Is that a word? Anyway, I, I was very pro-China. I thought they had their stuff together, and he was like, nope, they're very corrupt. It could all come down crashing very quickly. It's not as stable as you think. And we agreed to disagree or whatever, but he was from Hong Kong, so I kind of tended to believe him. And now it's kind of the opposite, where I'm more hawkish, or at least more worried about hawkish people in China, and what they are basically thinking about the U.S. And this book is all about that. I sent it to him. He's reading it. He said, basically, it's, it sounds like an out-of-tune instrument to try to read it, but I uh, th thought that was a good metaphor. But yeah, he's trying to push through uh, so we can have a discussion about it. And I look forward to having that discussion with us in the book club at the end of the month. Big news for me, I closed on my house and am slowly moving into it. So that's pretty massive uh, life event there. Also changing jobs. So that's a big life event. And they both happened in the same week. And I woke early this morning. Newsletter day to add the recommendation of the week. It was the only thing I had left to do in this newsletter to ship it out. And it's still very early right now. It's only 624. But I woke like half an hour ago to do this, only to discover that either MailChimp or my browser ate around 30% of my content. Luckily, I was already done with the security section, which you already heard, but I lost probably three hours of work in technology, human news, and discovery. And uh, yeah, turns out that the adage of 
save often still applies. I, I've always been able to go to sleep with MailChimp open and wherever it left off, even if it redirected me back to the campaigns page, it would be saved according to what I last wrote. But something wonky is going on and I lost tons of work. As a result, I have one item in discovery. A really good essay, the most precious resource is agency, which I read last week. It was quite good. And the recommendation that I wrote this morning, just now. When you make big life decisions, don't just compare upsides and downsides. Also ask yourself which one feels safe versus which one feels scary. Oftentimes, but not always, the one that makes you feel safe is a bad choice. This is especially true if you're younger or if you have fewer external responsibilities. I know it's not easy to take this line of advice if, you know, you're a little bit older or you have a family you have to support. You know, it's often safe to be safe. But doing the safe thing is often far more likely to result in mediocrity, in my opinion. And doing the scary thing is more likely to result in something wonderful. There's risk there, of course, but I think you have to think about it from a whole life perspective. Most people regret not what they did, but what they didn't do. So I think about that a lot, and that's why I've made some recent changes in my life, is basically not doing the comfortable thing, not doing the safe thing, and uh, yeah reaching for more than that. Aphorism for the week. When people talk, listen completely. Most people never listen. When people talk, listen completely. Most people never listen. Ernest Hemingway. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. And here's your next podcast.